Welcome to Fly on the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Songson, CEO and founder of Church Boom. Here you get to sit in on a live coaching session as I coach pastors through the ministry challenges we all face. If you find this podcast helpful, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Hey everyone, welcome to Fly on the Wall. Today we are talking with Rob Shepard, a great friend of mine that lives in Virginia and has an incredible church there. Uh, just love this guy. Every time we get together, we laugh and uh, he's just a fun guy to be around. But today we're talking about what every pastor should be asking. And uh, it is an incredible time uh, together, great conversation together. I know that you're going to enjoy it. So let's jump into it as we discover what every pastor should be asking. So good to see you, brother. And uh, thanks for uh, being on the the call yes, today sir. and hanging out. This is Rob Shepard from not Newport News. No, I'll get it. It's not Hampton. Not Hampton. It's Yorktown, uh, Yorktown, Yorktown Virginia. First, first time I ever met Rob, he told me that he was from the Hamptons, <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, dude, <laughs> that's how we roll." <laughs> yeah. I was like, "This guy's from the from the Hamptons. He's cruising around in a 1984 <laughs> Honda Civic. It's not matching up." <laughs> Yeah, we can't afford that uh, other S. We're just Hampton. Uh, <laughs> that's true. I never thought about that. Yeah. It's the S, huh? There's yeah, one more letter. It. Yeah. Yeah, when he told me he lived in the Hamptons, when you said, man, I lived in the Hamptons, I'm like, what? The Hamptons? You're in the Hampton. The Hampton. <laughs> <laughs> just slightly different. <laughs> Not hugely no, different, yep, just no, slightly yep. different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, man, hey, good to be on the call with you, man. I always love coaching, yeah. coaching you, and hanging out with you. So let's talk, man. What, what's yeah, on your mind thanks today? Yeah, for, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Um, you know, one thing that that I'm constantly wrestling with is uh, trying to coach my own staff. And one thing I heard you say a long time ago was that a pastor's whisper is a yell. And so I try to coach uh, my staff as gently as I can. And I'm not a, a type A leader. I'm not one that's like yelling or fussing, but even in coaching them, anytime I give instruction, it seems to come with uh, like some defensiveness of just like, like they, they feel like I'm coming down hard on them when I'm just trying to understand or, or, or coach. And so I was just wanting to pick your brain about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, the actual quote is your whisper is ah. a shout, <laughs> not a, not a yell, not a screaming and crushing. It's a shout. <laughs> well, that's my it's first problem. Your I misquoted you. Exactly. We can just wrap up. We're, Problem we're done. one. <laughs> we're done. Rob's misquoting, and he's doing it from his That's home right. in the Hamptons. <laughs> uh, but uh, well, tell me, uh, yeah. So your your whisper is a shout, and I know I get what you're saying. But in your scenario, like, give me an example of how that works. So what I'm hearing you say is, hey, someone will kind of say something to me on my team. I'll kind of come back. We'll talk about a little situation or. You know, maybe a little coaching, maybe a little give them some advice, and then somehow it turns into much more. Like, give me a give me a scenario. How yeah. That happens. So uh, we're having a staff meeting and going around talking about uh, you know our teams and recruiting for our teams. And um, one, uh, it was shared that a potential breakdown in our staffing was training and making sure that our new volunteers are trained before they start. And when I heard that, I was like, well, we have a system in place. I'm not sure like where the breakdown is. Why isn't this getting done? So I just asked, I said, did I hear what you said right? Or are you saying that we're not training for this team? We're not training them before they start. And it led to a huge, like 
not like a, a, it wasn't like a fight, but it just led to like, I mean, tears started being shed. It was like this whole big thing of like not feeling like she was doing her job and like all this stuff. And I was like, all I asked was just like, I just want clarification so we can fix. If it's a broken system, I want to fix it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> okay. A couple thoughts. I, I'm just throwing yeah. this out there. I don't know the whole situation and we don't need to know who that person is, but um, do you think that uh, when you look over the, the times that that's happened, I'm sure that's one example. You probably come up with another one or whatever uh, with maybe someone else or, you know, a year ago or three years ago, you thought of this thing that do you think that first question, do you think it is largely part of the way that they're wired or is it more on the way that you would talk to them? Um, I think it's more the way that they're wired. I, I don't think people like to be coached very, very much, even when it's gentle. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, I think there's a couple things. One, you know, uh, my own coach, I have a couple coaches, had the same coach for 13 years. And uh, uh, I was telling them one time years ago about a staff member. And I was like, man, they always respond. They always respond. They're just so wired this way. And he's like, did you not know this going into it? And I said, no. And he says, isn't that kind of on you? Uh, and, uh, uh, and I was like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't really yeah. like that. And plus, I, plus I'm paying him for this, you know, ripping <laughs> me. Uh, but, uh, but I do think that, I think there's a, uh, a question of, uh, because I know you and you're a pretty gentle person. So someone that gets offended by you, usually my thought is you're the kind of guy that I think if someone got offended by you, I'd probably think, mm, that person telling me is probably oh. the problem because you're just a very gentle and very kind and gentle individual. So that's why I asked that question. It's like, okay, but who, who is on this team and is that part of the mm. problem? Second, that's the first thing I would ask is like, is that part of our hiring process? Is that part of our vetting process to know like, <clears throat> this is the way they're wired. They can handle honest conversations. They're okay with honest conversations or are they quickly defensive quickly get upset, quickly feel attacked. I'd want to know that going into it and 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 being a part of, hey, if you're going to join that leadership team, I got to know how you're mm. wired. Or otherwise, that's going to create the quite a bit of problems. The second thing I think that is important um, is establishing up front, and I'm not saying you, you haven't done this because I know you have, but I think it's important to establish up front, even when the person's getting hired, this is, this is one of our yeah. cultures. We live by the Matthew 18 culture, or we live by honest conversation, or we live by transparent. We live by points of accountability. Uh, that's another thing that I think would be important uh, to do. The third thing I, I would add in there is, and this is probably something that could be worked on in, in, your, in, your, in the staff uh, and with key leaders, is knowing, teaching, and making sure that accountability flows not only from top to bottom, but from left yeah. to right, that peer-to-peer -peer accountability. I think you and I have talked about that before. That's a, that's a culture. So he, here's the thing why I like left to right accountability, peer-to-peer -peer accountability, because if accountability only goes from top to bottom, then you're always the yeah. bad guy. If accountability only goes from top to bottom, it's like everybody else thinks I'm great, except for when I talk yeah. to you. Uh, versus learning and creating a culture of, no, we actually have accountability that does go from top to bottom, there's no doubt, but we also have accountability that goes left to right. Uh, we have that accountability to talk to each other as the children's pastor talks to the worship pastor or vice versa and says, hey, man, 
you're always late to meetings and dude, a couple times you rolled your eyes during the meeting and maybe pastor hasn't seen it and you might want to watch that. Like that kind of honest conversation yeah. will make the top to bottom not feel like the only time it's correction or coaching or anything is only when I hear from the top guy. No, it's actually just who we are. Not that we're being mean, not that we're being mean spirited or artificial harmony or any of the stuff that you and I've talked about before, but it's a matter of, no, we we create a culture of accountability. Okay. We create a culture of transparency. And it, it, it and it can't just flow from top to bottom. Otherwise, you're always the yeah. bad guy. It has to flow from left That's to right. That's good. Uh, and if it can do that, because I, I do know that you have a staff culture that you've talked about. So I knowing you really well, I would say, one – knowing who we're bringing on the team, like, can they handle that? And having that honest conversation with them up front, like, hey, you got to be able to handle that and figuring out if they can. Uh, I think that you're clear about your staff culture. I think you've been very clear about that. But I I, I don't think left to right is happening yeah. very much in your yeah. team. And if, it, if that becomes the norm, then you're just one of six yeah. voices. If it doesn't become the norm, you're yeah. the only voice. So. And I, I, I think it's better yeah. peer-to-peer. Patrick Lenciani talks yeah. about that a lot. So do I. So how do I encourage that uh, left-to-right uh, accountability? Yeah, that's great. I think, one, I think you have to, <clears throat> you have to bring it right out uh, and talk about it. I don't know if you have to go through the entire five dysfunctions of a team, or I think it's in that book, but maybe there's a chapter or two you copy off and just kind of like, hey, let's just kind of read this, guys. And, and being able to... I think a couple things. One, being able to teach it, I think is important. You're the leader. They need to hear from you as, hey, this is what I'd like to see yeah. happen. Uh, but just because you teach it one time doesn't mean they're going to walk out and start doing it. <clears throat> That's probably not going to happen. But I would, um, I would, when opportunity shows up, if someone says something to you, I think it's quick to be able to say, why haven't you talked to them mm. about that? Well, I'm not their boss. Yeah, but we have peer-to-peer mm. accountability. Uh, because it probably happens every now and then like, Hey, pastor, I mean, I want to complain about the children's or youth or whoever, but this, this, and this, okay. Why haven't you talked to them, you know, or why haven't you shared with them? I think it's both teaching it. I think, I think culture is always created by what you promote and what you allow. Uh, and so if you're promoting it through the teaching and you're allowing it by calling people out on it, when it's like, Hey, you should, you know, and I know your executive pastor, great guy. Awesome. Um, even him can be can kind of play in that him can re he can reinforce that uh and be able to say hey we need to be able to do this among the team so i think it's teaching it and i think it's calling it out when oh. you see it and be able to say you actually you should probably don't need to talk to me about this sounds like something that you why can't you just go talk to them yeah. and tell them that why can't you call them out on it in a in a positive way because uh, i don't think it's i would probably guess it's not happening yeah that's good but if it does it becomes yeah. the culture. It doesn't just become the dictator, the guy, but it becomes That's the culture. Good. That's good. Yeah. So I'd teach it and reinforce it. And I'd get I'd get your XP to reinforce wow. it as well. That's good. I would definitely I'm reinforce it. And I think if you reinforce it and call it out when you see it, man, it can start changing. That's the great. Culture. Yeah. For thank sure. you for that. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What else you yeah. got? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> um, so when it comes to making decisions. What are some filters that that you use? Because I, I tend to be an ideas guy, and uh, I have more ideas than I have money or time. So how do you decide, <laughs> you know, what? 
Even living in the Hamptons. Hamptons. That's right. I don't have enough money. (laughs) Well, when you live in a $6 million home, dude, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, it's tough. (laughs) More money, more problems. That's right. So what what, uh, filters do you use to help make sure that the decisions are the right decisions and and are helping us stay on on mission yeah uh yeah a few thoughts one i always i always tell everybody and i always promote man create a create questions that make sense um i think that's such a powerful thing when you create uh questions that become a document by which um you have to live by because you are an idea guy. Every time we talk, you have a new idea. You're always writing great books. You write great books. You write way better than I do. And you have great ideas. Um, but, you know, uh, sometimes our great ideas get ahead of ourselves. And uh, I think that's a, that's a challenge. So coming up with those six or eight questions like, okay, do we have enough money? <clears throat> is this the right time? Is this the right resource? Is this the right idea? Is this the, you know, is this going to take us out of our... Uh, what are we going to have to stop in order to start this? I think having those honest conversations also helps you not be the bad guy. Uh, So you're able to say when someone has an idea or concept, it's not like, okay, Rob's just firing questions at me. No, we're going to go to this document that we all agree upon that is how we filter any decision we make on any idea or you know, any big idea, campaign project or whatever it may be. I think that's one thing. The second thing is I think people tend to drift um, out of their lanes pretty yeah. easy. Um, I, uh, I'm always asked, what would you tell your younger self? That's what you get when you start having grandkids. You start, what would you tell your younger self? I'm not 90, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I don't know. I can't see you. Who said that? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, but I, one thing is I, I have had a habit, and if I'm not careful, I still do it as I can quickly drift into different mm. lanes because I get excited about something. It's a great idea. It's like, it's a great idea. It's not the best idea. It's not the right time. It's not the right, might be a year from now, but it's not. And, and I, I think you, you have to be able to stay in your oh. lane and just know, man, this is who we are. This is what God's called us to be. This is direction that I'm oh. going. Uh, I don't want to go here. I want to go there. This is this is where I'm headed. This is what God's called me mm. to do. Uh, I have. I think that there are seasons in my life that I could have made more progress, that I could have built a bigger, stronger church, bigger, stronger ministry, bigger, stronger coaching organization, whatever it is. There, there's times in my life where I feel like I could have built bigger. I probably could have made more progress during those two years, but I was, I was chasing it over here, mm-hmm. and I remember. Oh, I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe eight, nine years ago, a board member in one of our—I uh, was having a board meeting, and uh, we have some really sharp board members. Very, you know, uh, very done very well with their lives. And uh, I remember one of them said, "said Man, you're you're always chasing the new shiny coin." And uh, I was like, "Yeah, you're yeah. right." And I'm thinking they all yeah. see it. It's like I come in there with all these ideas. It's like, can you just? Give us the three things that we're going to do, and let's just be the best at those yeah. three things. Uh, and I, I wish I wouldn't have chased every single idea. I wish I would have filtered it more. I wish I would have asked harder questions to myself. I wish I would have allowed other people to ask harder questions oh. to me. Um, I wish I would have done that. And I think um, 
during certain seasons, I think that I would have had greater productivity. I think my productivity is less in certain seasons because my energy is yeah. split. And, uh, and as the board member said, chasing the new shiny yeah. coin. Anyway, I don't know if you've ever felt that I before. I feel that all the time. I know. <laughs> You're just like, stay yeah. over here. Stay yeah. in your lane. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Anyway, that's that's what I would do. And I think you have to, I think the word self-imposed yeah. is really uh, what I would have, wish I would have grabbed that phrase a little bit more in the past where it's like self-imposed for Rob Shepard, self-imposed guidelines, yeah. self-imposed restrictions, self-imposed questions, self-imposed vetting process. In other words, I'm the boss. I'm, you know, I'm pretending like I'm the boss. I can kind of do what I want. Because I can do what I want, I better self-impose all of this so that I'm focused on this and I'm, I'm, I'm going about what I need to be doing and what I know God's called yeah. me to do. Um, and that's, you know, when I look at certain leaders across the nation that I think are killing it, um, you know, I had an opportunity, uh, I don't know, I've, I've spoken with Mark Batterson yeah. many times. And he's a great author and everybody knows him. Great author, great pastor and leader. And uh, I've had several conversations with him over the years here and there. And I remember one time he he told me, you know, he's pulling back quite a bit. And if you actually think about when's the last time you saw his picture on a conference, uh, it's been yeah. a while. I just saw one recently on there. It was, it's a Zoom conference thing. And I'm like, about, I don't know, five years ago, he just said, I'm getting so out yeah. of my lanes. I want to stay in my lane. I am called to be a pastor yeah. first. And uh, and I was really really admired the fact that he recognized the lanes that he was drifting in and that he was able to pull back. And um, and I think he's experiencing incredible success at his church right now. And it's probably because he self imposed yeah. it. His gifting could take him into a That's lot right. of lanes. Uh, but you you got to self impose that. And uh, so, that's good. Anyway, I don't no, know that's, very, that helpful, yeah, that's very yeah. helpful. No, that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. really good. That's good. Cool. What else you got? Anything else on your mind yeah. today? Um, you got time for, for another one? Um, <clears throat> yep. Yep. Let's right. do one more. Um, what is a question that you wish uh, church leaders were asking? Mm, man. You know, uh, pre the pandemic, I don't think I would have ever thought this. Um, not because I didn't care about it, just because I didn't, I don't think I recognized the problem. I think, as I always say, crisis speeds up failures and, and crisis always exposes weaknesses. Um, and so the one thing that I've thought about as churches have come back, many of them not at the number they used to be, some are at the number, some above it, but overall, uh, not, I just saw another article, um, I was preparing for kind of a church rescue moment that I'm having with a bunch of people to kind of share with them what we're doing with rescuing churches across the nation and all the churches are dying. And I, and I came across this article about that, about how many churches aren't, haven't come back strong, how many shut down, all that stuff. I say all that to say coming out of the pandemic, now we're here in so many churches that have not is because, and I, I wonder this question. I wonder if we were building churches, many of us, me included, um, where people's only thread to their faith was church Man. attendance. Mm. 
So if, if you look at it as a thread, if the only thread between them and their faith was church attendance, wasn't Bible, wasn't reading, praying, knowing God, drawing in deep, you know, whatever, whatever else, it was just one thread between church, you know, our faith is attached to church attendance. And as soon as that church attendance was pulled away, so was wow, the Wow, that's good. And I, I, I look at that and I think, man, did, did we, did a lot of us make that mistake? And not to say we're not going to reach people and yeah. be, you know, modern yeah. and have our, not, I'm not saying all that, but have we given enough thought to how we both build the crowd and build the Christ-like yeah. follower. Have we have we done both? Um, and I I I don't know if we have. And so, if I could, that would be a question I think that we should all be pondering. That's good. Is 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 that is? Uh, and I'm believe me, I'm all about growth. Church boom is yeah, about yeah. growth. <laughs> We're about rescuing churches yeah. and growing. Don't get me wrong. But somewhere we've got to put some energy and focus to say, okay, are we building? A crowd, which is important. Don't get me wrong. We got to build people. We got to get people to church. But are we also building Christ-like followers? Oh. And that may be the reason. Because, you know, when you talk to a – I had a buddy of mine's church runs around 6,000. Right now they're at about mm. four. And I'm like, 2,000 people yeah. just all of a sudden in your city decided, we're not going to go to church yeah. anymore. You didn't tick yeah. them off. They didn't get mad. They just decided they weren't going to go to church yeah. anymore. Is that really the problem? I don't know if 2,000 people just said, forget God and forget yeah. it all. I just think 2,000 people had the thing that was the only thing that was attached to their faith pulled away uh, from them. And so when you, if you, if you cut the string, yeah. you fall. And that's, that's the question I think people should that's, be asking. That's a good question. That's solid. Yeah. Yeah. So... Anyway, yeah. hey man, I gotta I gotta yeah. jump and uh, and uh, jump on. Uh, I got another Zoom call coming up here, and uh, but uh, always great to see you, buddy. Appreciate you yeah, so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate your time.